Hello and welcome back to Up The Villa podcast for our tactical debrief, taking a deep dive into Bournemouth 2, Aston Villa 2. Share your thoughts in the comment section down below. Let's have a biggish like target on this one, being as we got a point. Let's go 800 likes and subscribe to this channel if you haven't already. So, Justin, how are you? Good evening, Luke. Absolutely fine, mate. <laughs> good, good stuff. So... On reflection, um, I think it's a it's a good point. I think it's a good point in the sense of, in the sense of what it what we did. You know, we we fight back. We we show character. We've got that resilience, and I think all good teams do that. And and I think we're starting to we're starting to see us do that more and more, which is which is really good. Every time you watch us, and we might be behind, you're not there thinking we've lost this. You're thinking. We're going to get another chance. We can get back into this. And I think that's a testament of, of how good of a job um, we are currently doing as well. So I think a point was decent. I'll get your thoughts and then we'll go into it uh, more in depth. But how are you feeling You know, after the game? Yeah, I, I, I'm like you. I think when you take a balanced view after the game's finished, I'm happy with the point, to be honest. Um wasn't great to start with bit sloppy and we'll go into the sort of whys and wherefores in more detail later on but overall you know with 10-15 minutes to go I still hoping we could nick one and then get a winner but obviously with literally a few minutes left 2-1 down you're just saying right if we get a let's get a point and get out of here now and and, and ultimately that's what's happened with, with the fantastic equaliser from Ollie so all things considered take the point happy with that let's move on yeah, definitely. So there was a bit of a a change in the in the team. I think we were all sort of apprehensive, thinking, "God, worst case scenario, I'll have Watkins on the bench." Um, but lucky for us, he started, and you know, I think Henry after the game just said he was a little bit of a doubt, um, and he brought back Zaniolo in there. Bailey uh, Diaby was on the bench, so Bailey was in there as well, um, and we went with this sort of three centre halves with sort of a fallback in there and you know we've been doing we've doing it in pre-season and I felt like this was sort of like the evolution of us from last season um but we've we've seen different things like we we now attack you know with two out and out fallbacks at times with Cash and Luca Dean so we are versatile in in how we play and how we do things um, but one thing that I want to touch up on on Zaniolo to start with, and we probably will get into him in a little bit more detail, is that I felt like we played Zaniolo to sort of negate their press in their midfield. I felt like he played for us to go a little bit longer and to hold the ball up and to by, bypass their sort of press and midfield and their attackers. But it kind of didn't really work out like that, did it? It was it was a bit of a it was a bit of a problem. So I just thought I'd just highlight sort of like the start and the and the team because you know okay. I I, re, I saw your teams that you did this morning on Twitter and and I was going surely it's got to be McGinn in that double pivot with Dougie, but he actually went with Telemans in there as well, which we've seen and that's kind of not quite worked in the past either. So what was your thoughts on sort of like? The lineup and the way we went to start the game. Um, if I'm brutally honest, I'm becoming not a fan of playing that way. Um, by that way, I mean that that 
playing those players in those positions. Because I, I just, I mean, we saw that tackle later on, later in the game from 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 um, concert. For me, he's our best centre half. Mm-hmm. He's phenomenal defensive wise. He's, he's all round. Yes, Pau Torres is brilliant on the ball. And he's great going for it, and he's a great centre half. But concert for me is our number one centre half at the Villa. So I'm now beginning to think he has to just play at centre back all the time. So this shoehorning him shoehorning him in at right back to allow a sort of different style of play. I haven't seen enough good performances with that team playing the way they do with that formation to, to, to make me change my mind yet. Now, I'm not certainly not second-guessing who I am, mate, because he's been phenomenal, but I feel uncomfortable at the moment when I see that team, you know, no cash. Basically, I'm saying when no cash is there, contrast to fill in, and that, then that's lots of knock-on effects to the way we play. Mm-hmm. And so far, watching us play that way, I haven't seen enough good games to make me convinced that's a viable way to play away from home at the moment. Now, obviously, all other factors have to come into play there. Some players are a little bit out of form. They looked a bit leggy today. We missed Kamara, obviously. He was out of the team. Mm. So, there's all these little factors that obviously come into play that, that make up that, that the way of playing. But I, I just not... I just at the moment, I'm not feeling it. I don't feel as, as confident when I see that team drop as I do with the Cash and Dean playing and then the two centre-halves. Mm. It's a difficult one. And as far yeah. as the sort of McGinn... <laughs> Uh, Tielemans argument. I think both are capable of playing there, um, and he obviously didn't fancy going for Dendonka or or um, who was probably the more natural replacement there. It's a difficult one, isn't it? Because you, you had to put, put someone in there today, and, and with hindsight, looking after probably McGinn would have probably played better. Although I thought McGinn was very quiet today, mm-hmm. so lots of things to think about. Lots of. Um, angles to look at this game but it just didn't quite work today did it i think he you know it, i think he spoke again about after the game about sort of like balancing the players out of uh, uh, and looking after them which is you know totally yeah. understandable whenever i watch aston villa the first thing i ask myself is did we control the game and if my answer is no then i feel like we possibly have to sort of look and analyze sort of why the answer is no, yeah. because we, we know our manager, all he wants every single game is control, 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 control. He wants to control the whole game. And against Bournemouth, we didn't. It was quite erratic. It was quite sporadic. We sort of, and I know Bournemouth are a really good team. No one needs to tell me sort of how good of a team they are and how they press and how they play and how they're aggressive and how they're direct, because we spoke about this all before the game. But I just felt like from Villa, it was a little bit passive at times and and I felt we were our own worst enemy at times as well and we were putting the ball into some areas where you're just a bit like can't put the ball there and you know we're not being negative about sort of like Villa we just we're just analysing the game and and what we saw and you know next game we'll probably be like 10 times better but you know as we do on this channel we can only talk about what we've just seen, you know. So, uh, so we'll and go give to an honest opinion. Just, just quickly before you move on, I'm not anti three at the back. I'm not saying that. I'm not anti playing three centre halves. I think the problem I've got is 
if we're going to play three centre-halves, and I don't know whether he'll ever do this, I would rather see natural wing-backs. So I'd rather see Cash still in and, and Dean still in playing as wing-backs. Because I think when he does that with the with the concert uh, playing sort of out wide, like today, they're, 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 the, the, the lad that played on the left-hand side, I think he was their best player. You know, he, 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 he isolated in, and that he caused a lot of threat down there. And unless you've got that natural right-sided defender, you do sometimes get a bit caught out, don't you? Yeah, definitely. So we'll go through some of the... Well, actually, I'll tell you what we'll do first. We'll go through the slides and the images, because uh, that's the fun part. And then we'll go through more of the numbers and, and, and graphics of what happened then. So uh, we're going to go with this first graphic first then. Uh, let me just put it on the screen. So we'll go with this one first. And this was the build-up to their first goal. And this is an area where I felt like at times we were having... Big, big problems, and I'm going to get on to Bailey's goal. So the Bailey fans out there, you will have your Bailey hype when we arrive at that moment. But this moment is an area I think we struggled with, especially in the first half. So as you can see, Watkins is completely out of shot. So Watkins is sort of over there, and we've got Zaniolo here. So basically, we are set up now in a flat 4-4-2 with two players out of the game. So those two players for Villa now are completely out of the game. The problem we had here is Bailey's running backwards here to try and get back onto this sort of like 2v1 that we've got here. Had for me Bailey had been a little bit more in that area, sort of standing up Semenyo, stopping Semenyo from cutting inside. Again, we spoke about Semenyo inside forward, actively going into that area. We needed to defend these areas a little bit better. And I felt like this was one area that we struggled with in this game to start with. Uh, but Justin, you can talk me through uh, the, the the pass here. What what were your thoughts when this happened? Carlos so I was looking for McGinn, I think that is. And it went to, I imagine that's maybe his Christie. Yeah, I mean, that, that first slide, it highlights exactly what I said before about this right-back spot. Instead of having the natural right-sided player to double up with Concha, who's playing right of the central three, and doubling up on the winger, you've got, you're relying on your out-and-out winger coming back and tucking in. And I do actually think Bailey's got a lot better at tracking mm -hmm. back, and, and his defensive side of the game has improved a lot. His whole game's improved a lot, you know, for the last few weeks. But, it, it, you know, they must have highlighted when the team dropped that this was an area they could get at us and that's where they repeatedly got at us. So lacking that natural right-sided wing-back like you have on the other side with Luke Dean is a bit of a problem. I know I know by playing this way it releases more attacking options going forward, but that's where this goal ultimately came from. The ball, it came down the left. You know, a little bit of a misunderstanding. You can see what Carlos is trying to do. He's trying to do what they drill day in, day out. Is don't just whack the ball clear unless... If you think you've got to pass on into a team, and mate, then you make that pass. And they've, they've all been given the confidence to do that. And I know at times you hold your breath when you they make a pass and it, it's nearly cut out. But a lot of times when it's not, it creates opportunities for us to break quickly. That's the whole point of playing this way. You don't just whack the ball clear when you're under a little bit of pressure. They are trusted by the manager to pick a player out under pressure. And it, it's paid dividends time and time and time again this season. Unfortunately, though, the downside of playing this way is when you do misplace the pass, 
you're in your final third and you can be picked off. And if you think you've played that pass into a midfielder as a defender, you probably are a little bit out of position or switched off a little bit. So if it's intercepted, you're very, you've got to quick switch, quickly switch back on. And it, they didn't. And, and the ball was picked off. He didn't switch on quickly enough. It was played into the, to the, to the forward and, and he finished it pretty well, to be fair. But it was a mistake. But a mistake born out of being coached the way we play. And mm-hmm. yes, it's annoying. And yes, I'm sure he, you know he'll be told that and he'll know that immediately that he made a mistake. But it's it's a byproduct of the way Aston Villa plays, isn't it? We don't lump the ball clear. We try and play out from the back under tight, under a lot of pressure, and it didn't work and we got picked off. It's going to happen. It's not going to be the first time. It won't be the last time it'll happen. Talk me through this one then. Oh, what I mean, this this is this is some finish because I mean, look how many players he's got around him here. I mean, he's sort of player, so he's got three players here all around him. This is a fantastic goal, and and the accuracy and the power he gets on this is just absolutely remarkable. And this was, you know, the best the best of Bailey, which was absolutely fantastic. Sock down Bailey, and 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 that's what he does, and. Um, yeah, I, I was chuffed for him when this went in because it, it was like a really good goal. Yeah, it was a fantastic finish. He, like I said, Bailey's improved immensely this season. His numbers are becoming really, really good. He's been great off the bench, and I think he deserved a start today. And, and that, you know, was born out what, what I thought on when he came on the other night. He was really good, and he's a massive threat, isn't he? His pace, he's he's, he's got a pace to burn. He, he, when he's playing well, he's you know he takes people on, he glides past people like they're not there. And, and you know, only a few years ago we started seeing like inverted wingers playing on the opposite flanks, and it don't half pay dividends when you've got a player that's got the ability he's got on his left foot. If he can cut inside the, the full back, and I think he cut inside two players in this instance, and 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 he could draw the ball into the opposite corner, it's fantastic. Fantastic, and it was a similar goal to he scored the other night, wasn't it? You know, when he cut inside. Mm-hmm. Now Diaby scored a very yeah. similar kind of goal against them. Um, uh, the Adjie Warsaw, wasn't it on Thursday? That many games, can't keep up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he cut inside and, and scored very similar kind of goal. And Bailey, you know, just equally as good. You know, hit it true and hard, and and the keeper didn't really have a chance. So yeah, fantastic goal, great finish. Yeah, right. I want to talk about something now. Off topic slightly. And I've heard a lot this week about the Simbins coming into football and the Simbins coming into football for players that make these tactical fouls of, of tripping people up when they're away and maybe not getting yellow cards. This is a yellow card when a player is already on a yellow card. Like I don't want to just turn this and be like, oh, the you know, the officials, blah, blah, blah. But that's a yellow card. Can anyone in the comments at home tell me if that is not a second yellow card and a sending off of Semenyo? What I mean, Justin. I mean, the ref. The ref was absolutely terrible. I mean, it. It, it was absolutely awful. It was. I couldn't believe what I was watching. How bad he was, and that. I mean, the one. The one when he when he gave power yellow for for just like it wasn't even a foul, and I was just like. Uh, absolutely ridiculous, but do you think that's a second yellow? Oh, I'm absolutely apoplectic about this decision today. I think it's a horrific decision. And he's giving him a yellow for, for I think he kicked the ball away or something, the first yellow he got. And, and 
two of the things that annoy me with referees, and a lot of them do it, is one is when you've been given when you've booked a player early, is they suddenly become resid, resid, resident. I can't say that word. They, could, they don't want to give another yellow card if they've given another play, especially if there's two yellow cards in the first half. They don't want to book them again. And it's pathetic. It's like that years ago we played in the League Cup final and Vidic fouled Gabby going through and he didn't send him off because it was early in the game and it might ruin the spectacle. It's pathetic. Regardless of the minute of the game, if it's a yellow card, it's a yellow card. If, that, if, if he hasn't got a yellow card at that point and he does that, a yeah. hundred times out of a hundred, that's a yellow card offence. It's not even an argument. That you still know. is horrific. And, and surely VAR, if it's there for clear and obvious mm. errors, that is a clear and obvious error. It's a yellow card offence and he should have been off. And then he made another foul later on in the half, mm. just before half time, on the edge of the box. That was another yellow card offence. So he should have been sent off twice in the game, you know, for a second I mean, the, yellow card. The, pro- the problem with this... Decision. The problem with this one as well is he was actually like away. He he was he was yeah, yeah. he was like he had an open field basically. So it wasn't as if so he was like Bailey was running down a dead end or he was running back to his own goal. He was literally going through sort of like the middle of the pitch, and I was just like, it's what, if that's not a tactical foul, like, yeah, it's a professional foul. You know, Bailey's clear of him. He's going to cut inside and he's going to drive towards the goal. Yes, it's not, it's not clear through. It's not a straight red. It is a yellow card every single day of the week and twice on a Sunday. And it's, it's it, you know, and that kid was, was the best player on the pitch at that point. And he went on yeah. to influence the game in the second half. And, and he was a really, he played really, really well. But he yeah. should not have been on the pitch. And that's the most galling thing about it. Yeah, definitely not. And we started the second half pretty well. And then we got undone again. In transition, I mean, I mean, look at, I mean, look at this graphic in transition. Now, I only just noticed what I'm looking at, but you've sort of got Bournemouth player running through. You've got Solanke who scores the goal. You know, his sort of touch on this goal is brilliant, by the way. But you've kind of got one, two, three, four, five in front of sort of like McGinn, Bailey, and Ramsey. So it's sort of like they're just swamping the goal. And uh, yeah, it's not not a great goal um, to concede from Villa. I think both goals were, were quite poor, to be fair. But Justin, we've got to talk about this. We've got to talk about this. Three things in this. Three things. Number one, the Pau Torres pass to Diaby was an absolute zipper of a pass. You know, if this just shows what Pau Torres is all about, then just go back and watch this goal. We then have Diaby on the touchline who puts in a ferocious cross, which is absolutely majestic. And there were, and I'm going to say, that is a world-class header from Ollie Watkins. Absolutely world-class. Because he's he's not glanced it. He's had to dig it out a bit, you know, at power. You know, that ball's been fizzed in from Diaby. Power, you know, he's not, he's away from goal a little bit. That's world-class, that is. I'm telling you now, that that is world-class. And for Villa to sort of keep going at this point and to dig this point out is absolutely amazing. Do you want to add anything on a... Well, you can't really add anything when someone's just said someone's world-class, can you? No, I'll (laughs) I'll just concur fully with everything you've said. It It was a fantastic raking ball out to the wing. 
Derby found himself in some space. You know, they left him, you know, looking at that graphic there, they left him all alone, which is poor with a couple of minutes left in the game. Uh, and he's done he's done his best job of, of not cutting inside, getting a yard, which all good wingers do. They don't need to beat the man three times, which annoys the hell out of me. Get yourself a yard, get it into the mixer. And, yeah. and the header, you know, from a, from a <laughs> bloke that played very poor level football, but always played up front and relied on his heading ability, that is a really, really, really hard header because it is yeah. slightly behind him. He's had to lean back and arch his neck as well. And he's had to get... There was a certain amount of pace on the ball, which helps, but he's still had to get the direction past the keeper. And Ollie Watkins still... I still see him getting stick from, you know, about the chances he misses. But my God, for me, He's, he's up there probably with the best two or three strikers in the league easily this season, yeah. if not the best, second best striker beyond Haaland. It, it was a world-class finish. and I, I was absolutely over the moon when he when he buried that because I think that was his only chance in the game. And, and that's when you know how yeah. good a striker you've got. He's going to get one chance and they bury it. Fantastic. I love it. I love it as well. You know, like sometimes where you'll get a couple and they'll... Drag a few, and then he gets one and he yeah. scores. But when he gets one and he scores, I'm like, "Get in, kid!" Right. So yeah, two other things we've got to talk about in this in this as well. The concert tackle is unbelievable. What a tackle that was! And then finally, again, we spoke about this. I can't think what episode we spoke last week. Well, you know when like things happen for Villa but don't for the opposition. Well, we've got another one now. Duran has a shot, right? Hits the post. Obviously, it sort of goes. It, and I'm like, if that's down the other end, that's hit the post and gone in. And like Duran. Oh, and I felt like Duran, he was okay when he came on. He led the line well. And he, he, he sort of, he looked like he calmed down from the leggy of Warsaw game a bit. Um, and I felt like he, he did okay. He was he was a nuisance. He's, he's powerful. And yeah, I quite liked his, his little cameo. Um, so we'll go through the stats now. Um, so uh, Bournemouth had an XG of 2.11. Villas was 0.88. We had 63% possession. They had 37% possession. We had 11 shots, uh, three on target. They had 15 shots and seven on target. This shows the shots with XG by the minute. So uh, Bournemouth are in the red and Villa are in the blue. So you can see in special, you know, they had, that, well, they had more XG than us, didn't they? So this graphic should show them a little bit better than Villa on this front. You've got the shot map, Bournemouth. I mean, that's quite a few shots inside that 18. A bit too many for my liking. Um, and Villa's, you can see, we had a few dotted around the penalty area and then a couple from outside the box. We have got the match dominance based on expected threat. So, you know, we did have our little periods, but you can see in that first half, they had a really big spike. Uh, and then Villa came back into it, especially in that second half around sort of that 60-minute period. Here you can see Aston Villa's average positions from this game. So you've got a back three, back three screening. So you've got Pau 14, three Carlos and four Consa. You've got a double pivot of Tielemans, number eight and number six, uh, Louise. You've got Luca Dean often a little bit more width on that left-hand side. You've got McGinn more central, Zaniolo, 33 Bailey, and then Watkins up top leading that line. So in Just essence, if you look at that back three, that, that's kind of how it's meant to look. Absolutely, but I think that again, badgering the point home a lot tonight, 
it just shows how isolated Conte was. You look at Pau playing the left hand side of the three. If 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 Zaniolo says cash instead, and then you put that twenty two to to where the equivalent to where Dean is on the right hand side, that's a very balanced sort of back five, isn't it? With two holders, and then you've got three sort of in and around causing havoc. He he just was too isolated on that right hand side for me today, and that that average position shown that. You know, Bailey and, and, and Zaniola picking up more or less the same, similar position. Do you need two players playing in that hole? I don't think you do. No. So here you can see the passing network, double pivot, Tielemans and Louise. There's, there, there is width in there. Um, there's, yeah, it's, it's an okay passing network. I think it's, it's not, it's not terrible. We've, we've seen a lot better from a, from a Villa passing network anyway. But what I would like to reiterate is, and we're going to get on to this point in a minute. When you're looking at this system now and you're looking at Watkins, where, where's Zaniolo's position here? You know, and this is what we're going to get on to in a second. Um, you can see this was the Bournemouth um, average positions. Again, very, very high. A lot of players in our half. And I really think, and I'm going to get on to it now, the role of Zaniolo today for me, was to hold the ball up. It was to bypass this press here. So we go longer. So we we can we don't have to go through this press. And I just felt like Zaniolo, and, and a lot of you will know that I've been a big, big, big sort of advocate for Zaniolo, but I thought he had a bad game. He, he, he just couldn't hold it up. And I think that was a, a massive, massive problem. That Some of the little flicks, the little fact, they just don't come off, do they? And I think yeah. when he was playing, because when he was playing today, he was playing alongside Watkins. He was the DRB. Bailey was the one that was out wide offering that width. So the role of Zaniolo was to help support and hold that ball up. And you can see here, 43% accuracy accuracy on his passes his ground duels two out of eight one aerial duel no out none out of one one lost the ball 10 times you know I, I, I was a little bit disappointed when I was watching him because I just thought like come on we need to see a bit more like I've, I've stuck at him I've stuck with him to to praise him to to get better but I just don't think it worked, and 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 that was probably one of the reasons in this game why we probably wasn't as good as what we should have been. Yeah, I, I like him. I, I know we we all like him still. I think he's got bundles of ability. He he he's a big stature for for the a player that plays in his role. You don't normally see players like that six foot odd playing in the sort of withdrawn roles up front. And his time will come. He'll, he'll, he'll have a, I've no doubt he'll have a spell this season when he when he's mm -hmm. unplayable and he'll score goals and he'll create goals. Um, I just worry whether he's he's sort of he's not fitting into a clearly defined role that that are, are in those attacking roles that that Unai Emery likes to fit in. So the Diab he's playing in the Diaby, the Bailey, the McGinn, not really the Watkins role, but I think he could probably play up there. So those four positions, that's where he's sort of floating around. So the three in behind the striker. And I'm not convinced he's he's fully got his head around it yet because the, the players that play there are different types of players to him. And I think when he plays in, like today, like you saw on that average position, he's picking up very similar positions to Bailey. 
And Bailey's an explosive, gets his foot on the ball, goes past people, little jinky runs. Zanio's got that in his lockout, but he, he picks the ball up and he runs at people. And he had a couple of shots today that nearly cleared the stand. You can see he wants it and he's trying to influence the game. He's trying to create things. He's trying to make things happen. But currently, it's just not happening for him. And I know he last international game he had, he was outstanding for Italy. So he's clearly got ability. Another one, like I suppose, a bit like Tielemans at the start of the season when he couldn't really get a run in the team. He was getting a few minutes here and there. And he was getting, he was starting and then getting dragged off or coming on after, you know, after 70, 80 minutes. Zaniel is sort of in that role. He hasn't got a starting berth at, at Villa at the moment. And he's having to sort of, every time he gets a, a, either a start or comes off the bench, it's like he's putting too much pressure on himself to be the to be the main man. And I think he just needs to relax a little bit more, try and find a bit of confidence from somewhere. And I think it'll come. I do think it'll happen for him. But I think he's trying too hard at the moment to be the main man when he's on the pitch and maybe try to impress the manager and his teammates too much. When if he just relaxed a little bit, took a bit more time on the ball, picked out little one-twos with people and, and get, give, instead of having a shot from 40 yards out, 35 yards out, feed it into Watkins and go again, play off him. So I think these things will happen for him. I just think he's got to maybe come out of the team again, which he probably will next two games now. And when he gets his little chance off the bench, just go for it, you know, be, be, relax and, and enjoy it and, and try and, I don't know, Emery will help him. You know, and we know he's got a very good manager and he'll be talking to him next week about his role in the team and how he can try and sort of somehow get his form together. Definitely. Right, so finally, two more things. It was offside. You can see, let me try and draw it for you. So you can see, see this line here that's going all along there. So you can see this Bournemouth players. Is this our version of Stockley Park? It is, yes. Yeah. So we've gone to VAR, right? So ref on field, can you see this? <laughs> so his foot's there, sort of on the line. And look where Luca Deans is, just a little bit above sort of that line. So, yeah, he's, he's offside, you know. Tiny, tight, like a boot length. But, mm. yeah, it's offside, which is The annoying uh, thing about VAR is we all, I think, pretty much don't like it. But when it's sort of black and white like that, you have to accept that that's what it's yeah. for. And, and if it was the other way around, you'd be going, he's offside, stop moaning, get on with the game. And that's black and white, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But another game week has gone and another game week where Aston Villa are still inside the top four. So that's all we can ask for. That's all we can do. We've got to keep going. Um, again, we've got a bit of... Three points between us and Newcastle. So with a bit of leeway with our next two very difficult fixtures. So we'll be in and around there, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i going to say this now, right? So if Villa beat Manchester City on Wednesday, we go above Manchester City after 15 games. I mean, if you'd have told me that about four years ago, after, when we were getting absolutely smashed by him. Like, I'd have been like, you're having a laugh, aren't you? Like, what's happened? But that's just where we are. And, and you know, I'm not going to touch on that too much because we'll have our match preview out tomorrow. But I can't wait for it. Like, honestly, I cannot wait for this game. Because um, we know who's out. Players are out. Um, and yeah, looking forward to it. So, do you want to finish the episode off, Justin, with 
anything yeah. or yeah, I mean, I've, 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 few, I've seen a few people a bit annoyed about that result today and, and the performance wasn't where we would like it to be, but we've just got to relax. You know, we're in a fantastic position after 14 games. We're all enjoying the ride. You can't win every game. We know that. There's going to be ups and downs. I'd have taken this every single day of the week at the start of the season. So enjoy the ride. Don't get too annoyed. Just look forward to every single game because every time I watch the Claren Blue, I'm over the moon. Absolutely love it. Right, so I'm going to pick apart Man City in the preview and I'm going to show you how we are going to beat them. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks, everyone who's watched. We've got busy week. So, I mean, it's so busy. We've got match preview. We've got opposition preview. That's before Wednesday. And then we've got it all again before we play Arsenal on Saturday. So, busy week for the pod. Um, if you are enjoying it, finally, if you've got this far, follow us on TikTok because we're doing well on TikTok. Got to admit, I don't think I'm ever going to go to Poland because I feel like I'm a wanted man in Poland. <laughs> they, they want my blood in Poland uh, because they don't like that I baited them. And I don't think they knew the context of, like, um, what's his name, Justin, that little dude? Oh, uh, <laughs> the, the Willstone Raider. Yeah, but obviously, like, us over here, we, you all understood why I did it, but they haven't got a clue. They think I've, like, offered them out on TV. Uh, so if ever we get them, I, can, I can't it ever go funny. there. Cause it, it was funny. Because I, I think... Um, some of the stuff they've been calling me on TikTok is terrible, <laughs> but um, yeah, so yeah, up the villa anyway. Right, cool. Cheers, everyone. Subscribe if you're new. Drop a like, comment your thoughts. Up the villa. Up the villa.